Spirit of God, we ask that you be present with us. We pray that what's said, what's done here tonight, will please you and honor you. Lord, as a local church, we want to grow in our love for you. We want to share the good news. We want to, uh, we want to be all that you've designed us to be as a local church. So we commit this time to you, Lord. We ask again that you bless all that occurs here. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Shane's got a solo now, and so if a cappella, he's going to serenade us. That's not only my nightmare, but it's everyone else I know. Their nightmare. Evening, church. Evening. All of you. It's hard to see all your faces because there's a sea of you. Uh, I, I'm just going to give a quick update on Alive Youth Ministry. Uh, Alive Ministries is our high school and middle school ministry here at church. We meet on Wednesdays nights from 7 to 8.30. Uh, and we are entering into the summer months, which is a significant time for our team ministry. It's always significant every year. But this year seems to have just a greater significance or importance to it or weight to it. Uh, because last summer, uh, because of the events of the year, we weren't able to have our summer camp. Uh, a lot of our events got postponed or canceled completely. And so a lot of the teens, they've been waiting for this, uh, looking forward to it. And so uh, I just wanted you to know if you are a parent uh, or you know other parents in the church, uh, let them know if you haven't seen one of these, these cards with our calendar summer schedules and given out to all the teens about a month ago. Uh, hopefully they trickled home to you. Uh, also, we sent out a, a text in church just to parents of Alive. Uh, let them know about a blog post that had all of our summer events listed there for you guys. All the information about our camp. Um, but I, I know when we look at things like this, you can see these events like a beach day or Planet Obstacle. These are, these are fun events. And when you look at these things, it can be easy just to look at it and see dollars and time. I say, this is another thing you have to add to our schedule. It's already busy. Uh, these things cost money. And, and I understand that. I understand that your team may not be able to do all of these things. But that's not our heart. Our heart in team ministry is not just to create fun activities for the youth. We want the gospel of Jesus Christ to come to life to these teens. And we, we truly believe that by uh, having these events as a part of that, that's just a part of bringing them into the community and the fellowship in the summertime that leads up to the biggest event for us in the summer, which is our summer camp. And this year, right now in Alive, we're going through a series on the Lord's Prayer, and, and then we're going to be going into a series about identity, and then we'll get into camp, which is called Redefined. It's about having Christ define you in your life and just transform you. And I know Kevin DeYoung, he's a pastor, he, he had a quote about youth ministry a long time ago that's just stuck with me. And I think if it's familiar to you, it probably should be because I think I put it in a sermon one time here. Which is that, that in youth ministry, when you are proclaiming the gospel, it can feel like you're shooting spitballs at a military-grade bunker. And, and the team's just in there, and, and it's just spitballs landing against the outside of it. And you just think, this is not going to ever make a difference. And, and that's what it can feel like. But that's not what Scripture reveals. See, the gospel is the power of God. And so he said it's more like you're walking up to that bunker and you're holding a grenade and you just lob it in there. But the thing is that it's not our responsibility nor in our power to pull the pin. 
And so as we proclaim the gospel over and over again and alive, and as we partner with you as parents, that you preach it in your homes, and as a hear it here at church, we are faithfully placing grenades in there, and we are praying that one, guy, one day God is going to pull a pin, and that power is going to come to life for them. And I know, I don't think there's something magical about summer camp, but I just, I know that there's this time of pulling away, slowing down, putting on your phone, getting away from all the distractions, and focusing on the Word of God and being with others, that God just seems to love to pull pins. There, there are young adults that I care for who have testimonies that it was in a live summer camp years ago that they first believed in Jesus. And we're praying for that for the summer. So if you have teens, I want to just ask you, uh, please look at this calendar and not see dollar signs and time, but see opportunities for them to grow into community that is going to faithfully proclaim the gospel. And if you don't, have any teens in youth ministry, can I just ask you to partner with us in a unique way? And I think there's two things that you can do because we're proclaiming the gospel in live and we're partnering with parents proclaiming the gospel, but this is a church community that proclaims the gospel. And the teens see all of us and it takes all of us. And so what I wanna ask you to do is, I wonder what it would look like this summer if Metro Life Church intentionally prayed for the teens this summer. Would God pull more pins in the lives of our youth? Will we see the truth of the gospel come to life to them? Because it's not the eloquence of a speaker that's gonna change their lives, it's the Holy Spirit. And so will you ask God to move in the heart of our teens this summer? And then two, uh, there's a real cost. And, and there, for some, this last year has financially been difficult. Others, it's always been financially difficult. And a live summer camp has cost to it. And since last summer was canceled, we wanted to do something special for the teens. We wanted to go above and beyond and, 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 and make this coming week or in July, July 27th through 30th. We wanted to make it special, but we wanted to also make it affordable. And so we did the fundraiser, Crank Your Pastor, which has been in the lobby. It's been a lot of fun. Hope you guys enjoyed seeing me get pie, All right? Jeremy, did you like that? It was awesome, right? What a blessing. Amen. Amen. And, and then I, I think I can just go ahead and announce it. This Sunday, uh, you could, there was enough money to, to water balloon Christian on the way to his car. So we're going to chalk a line. He's going to have to exit this side of the building, walk all the way around to his car. And there's just going to be buckets of water balloons along the way. And that's for you to go out there and just find a bucket, find a balloon, enjoy. He deserves it. And if one of those happens to fly the wrong direction and hit Jeremy, I'm okay with it. So I hope it's been fun, but, but there's a reality too that those two weeks that we've done this, we've raised $300. Uh, and that is generous, and I thank you for that. But the reality is between 20, 30 teens and a couple youth leaders, it's not gonna make much of a dent on the cost of camp. And so uh, can I just make a plea? Would you prayerfully consider if God's calling you to be generous, because that money's not gonna go to my pocket or it's not gonna go to a teen just having a fun time. It's going to go to allow them to come to camp and experience something and hopefully build memories, but more importantly, with your prayers I'm asking for, will be a time where they hear Jesus and hear his voice as a shepherd calling them. 
So registration hasn't been uh, announced yet because we were waiting to see how much we raised from this fundraiser, and then we were going to make the cost based off of that kind of money available. Uh, in the past, it's been about $200. Uh, but my hope, and I think I'll just say it, my hope was to, to take the teens to one of the summer parks on the last day. Um, they didn't have camp last year, and I wanted to do something special. Uh, but I just don't know if we can afford it. So please prayerfully consider, uh, and since a lot of our friends are not here today, prayerfully consider annoying your friends about it. Uh, and this coming Sunday will be the last opportunity to prank your pastor. Uh, and so put a lot of money in Chris's jar since he hasn't gotten pranked yet and, and pick a fun prank. So that's all I have. Thank you so much. I know that you guys will be praying for us. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming out tonight. Uh, <clears throat> maybe your house is like mine. Uh, this week on our family calendar just says show week. And uh, so there's two different performances of Willy Wonka Jr. that are dominating our life at the moment and tech rehearsals and when are you all able to get home from school. And so I know what it takes to get out on a night like this. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate you being here tonight. And uh, some of our friends in college probably have finals uh, either this week or right around the corner. So thanks for making and taking the time to be here tonight as well. Uh, I don't want <clears throat> to prolong a lot of things tonight. I did want to just, when Shane said it, I thought this is probably worth bringing some clarity to. When we ask you to prayerfully consider something, uh, and that's probably a phrase you hear a good bit, uh, we don't intend that to be some sort of pressure. We don't intend that to be some sort of, hey, we need this other thing to accomplish this thing that we've been planning all along. Uh, it really is just that genuine of request. Would, would you, in your times of prayer, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit? Consider what we're talking about. We're just kind of putting it out there for the church to be aware of. Uh, we're always surprised at how God provides for different things that we're planning. Um, it may not be through prank your pastor. It may be through somebody just sponsoring a couple of teens. Uh, different things like that. But God always provides for what his purpose is, and we're grateful for that. E even as I'm about to bring a, a financial update, uh, I heard a pastor named Mark Dever. He was talking about, uh, <clears throat> talking about finance with the church. And I just want to make it clear at the outset, uh, the church budget is not God here. Like, we plan. We prayerfully consider what it is that we believe that God is calling us to. We, we talk about it as a leadership team. We go through it with our financial advisory team. And I'm so grateful uh, for those that have input into that. But the church budget isn't God. And if we're often giving and that we're a percentage down, uh, that doesn't frighten us. Uh, we know that his purpose is sure for us as a church. His word is going to continue to be faithful from one generation to another. We can just be faithful in making adjustments. Uh, anything I'm announcing tonight, we're not at like deep cuts where it's going to hurt and someone's losing their job. Um, it, it, but there's a reality that we're facing and something that we're learning as we're gathering back together. So uh, you may have received uh, emails about this or, or seen some updates about finances. And I just wanted to kind of dive in a little bit more to some things that we're seeing and that we're learning during this COVID season. We're learning a lot about what we don't know. And we're learning a lot about what it looks like to just pivot very quickly as a, as a group of people and try to figure things out. Um, in, our, in our first quarter of giving, uh, we, are, yeah, we have seen over this... Uh, 
transition with COVID and kind of trying to come back together, that 71% of giving happens online now. Uh, that is way up from what we have been in the past. Uh, it, I don't know that there were years that we were over 50% online. And so really we have seen a tremendous increase in giving online. Uh, if that's the way that you're giving, thank you for that. Um, if, if that's a kind of a one-time thing that you're doing, maybe consider making that a regular recurring donation. Uh, 28% of our gifts come offline, and then 1% of that is represented by cash. And I'm grateful that against national averages, both in giving trends and pandemic effects on generosity, that we, we are well above average, but national trends have never been our, our benchmark. Um, so I'm grateful for that. I, I'm aware of those types of things. Um, for those that know me, I, I, I kind of geek out over the numbers sometimes, but um, that's really there to inform us of things. Not, we're not driven by those numbers. We're not driven by that, even in our mission as a church. Um, when I think about the area of generosity, th- that really kind of encompasses everything as it relates to stewardship in our lives. We think about time, talents, treasures, truth. And, and that can be expressed in a variety of ways. It could be something financial, but it also can be uh, – generosity can be uh, expressed through fellowship. It can be expressed through hospitality. There are just a number of ways that you can kind of steward this gift of, of, of uh, excuse me, generosity. But I want us to consider Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, where it says this. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I'm grateful that giving online gives us a way to kind of follow the biblical principle of our giving not being something that we do to draw attention to ourselves. It's not about the size of the gift. It's not something that we want to draw attention to ourselves in uh, individually. It's something that we settle in our own heart, that we uh, determine, you know, this is what the Lord is leading me to do. Uh, And what I'm concerned for for us as a church is that we're missing that money may easily become our functional God if we find our sense of security in our own personal bank accounts. Uh, I'm right here. I'm right here. You know, as I'm writing these words for tonight, I'm like, yeah, okay, Chris. That would be a form of idolatry for me. That would be a form of idolatry for us as a church. And as leaders in the church, our pastors seek to model what we see biblically, that, that we are called to be a generous body of Christ that freely gives itself away. That, that's who we're called to be. That's, that's what we want to see in the church. So that's what we work to model in the church as well. So I just want to highlight some ways that this happens through through both individuals and through us as a church body, kind of some of the things that we do. So for individuals, uh, regular proportional giving, uh, that is something that you have prayed about, something that you've settled in your heart with God and that you actually act upon, that you continue to act upon. And generosity toward the needs within the church and the community through our benevolence and local mission uh, I had the opportunity, I mentioned at the close of the service on Sunday that I was meeting with Christian Help this week. Uh, we have decades of, of partnering with this local ministry, and I had the opportunity to sit with uh, Vicki Martin. She's the new executive director for, uh, actually say new, I think she's been there six years now. Uh, she's the executive director for Christian Help, and uh, she was actually hand-delivering a thank you letter for a recent donation that we sent to them as a church because of your giving. Because of your giving, 
uh, we're able to kind of pass that along to organizations in our community. And currently, I think she was telling me that was able to help over two or 300 families, uh, that donation going to them. And just think like, you may look at what you're giving and think, how, how does this affect two or 300 families? Well, through the church, pooling our resources, that's how we're able to be generous in this way toward our local community. So we're grateful as well. You know, she was updating me on some of the discipleship programs that they do with that. There's uh, food that they give out uh, for food insecurities. Uh, a lot of people have struggles with transportation. They have a whole shed where they take care of bikes and different things to help people get where they need to be. Uh, but they also train and equip people for the season of life that they're walking through. Uh, they, they actually come alongside. They have discipleship programs that walk along with an individual or a family that's walking through uh, maybe something of being underemployed or looking for new employment for anywhere programs that range anywhere from six months to two years that they'll walk with people uh, in discipleship and training and equipping them. Um, they were even letting us know that they're getting to the place now where they have so many uh, jobs available and so few applicants that they actually need additional space to be able to just let applicants do uh, interviews via Zoom and different things like that. So it's an interesting new dynamic. It's the complete inverse of some things that they were facing in 2006. But how is it that we, we were able to be a part of partnering with them to serve our local community? Well, it's, it's through your giving. And these stories extend through our other local partners as well. I just want to highlight who some of our, our local partners are. We, we partner with the Sharing Center. Uh, we partner with Christian Help. Uh, we partner with the Pregnancy Center. And we partner with Letitia's House, which is on trafficking. Uh, as a church, we also continue to give toward our global mission and missionaries. Uh, we we want to continue to support them, not just through giving of money, giving of funds, but we also are beginning to better engage in extending pastoral care. I'm, I'm really grateful for Christian's heart in this. And, and really, talking about local mission, talking about global mission, that, that's local mission is Shane. The global mission is, is Christian when it comes to that kind of pastoral oversight for those two areas. I just want you guys to know how grateful I am for them really working to make this something that doesn't just distribute funds. It actually walks alongside people to care for them. And uh, I know we've, we've had some great times just meeting with uh, some of the missionaries that we have. We, we talked about Rachel the other day. We were even praying for her in our Sunday planning meeting. So those are some ways that our mission continues, even though we see that giving is down. Notice we're not talking about making adjustments to those things. Uh, giving is down about 15% uh, against budget through this point in the year. It's, we've seen the trend of quarter one continue into the month of April. Um, if you're struggling financially, uh, please let us know. We, we don't want that to be something that you, you feel like you have to do in silence. I know I see a number of our community group leaders uh, here. If, if there's things going on with folks in your group, we want to walk alongside with people in the church. But knowing that does even help us know how to plan in the future uh, moving forward. Um, perhaps you've been blessed in this season with uh, a financial kind of windfall through some of the different things through stimulus. Uh, I know some folks have actually benefited from the unemployment benefits, and, and maybe that's something to be able to give out of the abundance of. I, again, I, I just want to appeal to you because I know historically as a church in our 36 years together, uh, one of the things that you have always done is just blow us away with your generosity. Uh, I've seen it time and time again. And so it, this is really just kind of 
bringing us up to date with what's going on currently as we're still trying to kind of get a handle on gathering back together and what is going on uh, financially both in the church and ways that we're continuing to be engaged in the mission. Um, Something that happened this last week, I mentioned our Sunday planning meeting. Uh, I am so grateful for both our in-person gathering and our online audience. And I know that you don't necessarily hear us referencing them like we're televangelists. Uh, Although I got to admit, like Mike Nash is really good at that, right? You ever notice how just like casually, and if you're joining us online, I'm like, whoa, this guy's old school. I I like it. I actually respect that very much. Um, I think I've leaned over to Steph before and been like, man, he's dropping some gems up there today talking to the online audience. You know, something that we're actually seeing as the fruit of that is, is unexpected and yet totally an answer to prayer. Uh, each week when we gather for Sunday planning, we review the week before and then we look ahead to what we can kind of anticipate, things we need to be prepared for for the coming week. That's how all of our teams kind of get coordinated through Planning Center and, and that meeting kind of feeds into all of those things. But two things we take time to do as a team, we, we have some devotions together. So Shane leads us in devotions, and then Christian leads us in a time of prayer. And we pray through uh, the alphabet and list of names for those who consider us their home church. So those are folks that have filled out at one of our Connect cards, or they have joined a community group, um, or they've, they've had children in children's ministry. And perhaps a few times a year, you get one of those emails from us that says, hey, when we were gathered this last week, we took time to pray for you. And a few weeks ago, we had an interesting phenomenon happen. There were about 25% of the names. Uh, there's a screen in our conference room that we kind of put the names up on. There's not, uh, never mind, I won't go old school television, televangelist entirely. Uh, we don't have stacks of prayer cards. Um, but they, the names are up on the wall. 25% of the names, none of us in the room recognized. Um, I'm fairly engaged in what's going on in the church. Uh, I really do try to follow up with folks. The the six to ten people, depending on the week, that are gathered around that table, very engaged in what's going on in the church as representatives of our worship team, or some of our community group leaders, our connect team. 25% of those names we didn't know. And I was like, what an answer to prayer. Like there's this rejoicing and responsibility that kind of hits all at the same time, right? We are rejoicing that people are taking that step of sharing with us who they are. That's, that's a bold step. Not a lot of people do that these days. And then we feel that weight of responsibility. We don't know them. So let's get to know them. How, how do we do that? How do we, how do we go after them and pursue them graciously? But just to kind of like bring them in. And I love that that's happening. And that's not just our responsibility in a Sunday planning room. That's our responsibility as a church. Uh, that's, that's who we are when we gather together. So I, I want to see that. That's part of our mission where we're, uh, we're supporting that through our generosity. But it's the ways that we're going to continue to steward this facility as we seek to serve, equip, and then release people into ministry. I, I look forward to maybe one of those 25% our next community group leader. Like, that would be awesome. Maybe it's the next deacon or elder in this church. That would be awesome. Uh, let, let's have faith for that, and let's kind of act that way toward one another as we're interacting with each other. So there's not just a responsibility for us. There's a res- uh, for us as a team of pastors. Uh, there's a responsibility for each one of us here in the church. Uh, we have seen God provide in such unique ways. Um, just please do consider on how you can give back from what he's provided. 
And we want to just acknowledge God himself as the source of our provision. He is the one who supplies for our every need. He provides for our present and our future. So let's look to him to lead us through this season as a church. And I just want to be amazed. I want to be amazed at what he does when we kind of look back in this season of his faithfulness. The way he shows us himself to be able to abide in him no matter what our circumstances are. So that's a bit of an update on our giving. And as I said, if if you or folks that you know are walking through financial hardships, please do. uh, Let's walk through that together. I also just want to bring kind of a note on timeliness. Um, I know that during this season, like there is something weird about starting on time because of the live stream. Uh, I know that sounds strange to even say, but like there have been times that as a worship team, we're back in the back kind of, honestly, we're laughing. Most often we're laughing back there together. And uh, then we're like, oh, we got to go. Like I need more than a minute to, you know, put a guitar on or whatever else. But our service does start at 10. And during this COVID season, one of the things that we kind of had to make some adjustments on was that our facility didn't open until 945. We've kind of rolled all of that back. Uh, so I just want to make sure that you are aware of our gathering start time. So at 9.15, our prayer gathering begins in the chapel. Uh, I'm grateful for Eddie and I'm grateful for Christian and their team that, that oversee that time. Uh, so at 9.15, there's a prayer gathering that happens in the chapel. At 9.30, our connect team is in place. Uh, at 9.45, check-in for TruthQuest opens. And then at 10 o'clock, our service begins. Uh, it would be nice to move away from like a a two-service setup where it's 10 and then 1020. Um, I know I know some people don't want to be here for the praise. They just want to be here for the worship. But like theologically, we don't believe in that. So if just to be clear, you can join us for the whole time. And we're singing to the same God in the same way the whole time, hopefully with the same posture of heart. So uh, I just wanted to make sure that you were aware and, and also just make the request that we can be together starting right at 10. We are trying to be, uh, be helpful in the way that we keep service times fairly consistent. Uh, that's something that we've been working on together as a team. So want to make sure that we also serve TruthQuest in the ways that we make sure that we end on time as well. And starting on time really is helpful for that. Um, I don't see uh, Angie here tonight. Is that correct? I don't see Angie Mendez. Sorry. Just, okay. Very good. Um, I do want to talk about TruthQuest. So we're talking about some of the giving. Uh, we've talked about timeliness. These are, again, just some things that we're noticing as a, as a pastoral team, things we want to make sure that you're aware of. Uh, volunteers are way down. Um, a number of our teams kind of went through this strange season where we could only have like 10 people in the building. And so everything kind of went very skeletal in terms of scheduling. And, well, as we're coming back online, some of those teams have really remained in that state in a very unhelpful way. Uh, In particular, we've seen this with TruthQuest. Um, There is a need for volunteers and service across the board in the church. But I'm going to take a moment just to highlight TruthQuest for this reason. Um, I'm grateful for the number of teams. We kind of had to start up a few teams like with social media and with live stream and some different things just because it's, it's hard to be doing all of that and speaking at the same time. With TruthQuest, there's something convictionally that's happening that I want to make sure that we know. 
we have always said that TruthQuest is not a babysitting service in the church. It's not glorified childcare with a Christian theme. It's age-appropriate discipleship trying to help train children and come alongside parents. Here's the dangerous point we're at. Our administration, just to try to make sure there's enough help in there, means that TruthQuest is becoming glorified childcare. That's not us. That's just not us as a church. It's not our heart. It never has been. Uh, I'm, I'm not aware at, a, at, a, at a, the time where we've been like, you know what, it's okay. We can just take the foot off the gas and not try to disciple children. Like even just saying that out loud feels wrong. Because that's not us. We need your help to get back to what we believe God's called us to as a conviction, as something that we value in our church. We value the discipleship of our children. We value coming alongside parents who are the primary disciple makers in their home. We want to to be there to walk alongside of them during the service and as we have their children in our care so that it's not just a glorified child care. I think about this. This is the way that we say it online for what we want TruthQuest to be. In a safe environment, we present an awesome God to our children. We encourage a relationship with him as revealed through his word. We inspire our children to love God with all their heart, to grow in their awareness of our need for a savior and his plan of redemption. And we learn how to share this good news with others. Think about that 25% that's coming in. What would it be like for their children to experience ministry in this way? I think that would have a radical effect on families. But we need your help to be able to accomplish that. So that's what we want TruthQuest to be. It's ultimately what we want to see throughout the ministries of the church, throughout a variety of areas of service in the church, that they are disciple-making opportunities. And we need your help to do that. Are you with me? All right, so giving, uh, volunteers, timeliness. I think these are things that are basic to our membership here in the church. You know, we call this a family tonight. I know that not everybody that is here is necessarily, quote, unquote, a member. You may consider us your home church. But as members of this church, as those who consider this your home church, I hope that this isn't the first time you've heard some of these convictions for us, that these are values for us as a church. These are things that are basic to our engagement with the mission that we believe God's called us to. And so I think that uh, we want to see these things happen through fellowship. We want to see these things happen through community, through generosity, and through serving. So would you prayerfully consider where God may have you be stirred this evening to follow his leading in any of these areas? Lastly, I just want to share something with you. Uh, I don't think that as a church we've ever done a word of the year. And as a family, we're not like great at this. Uh, how many of you ever heard like a word of the year for your family? Maybe you do it instead of uh, New Year's resolutions. Okay. So ours usually comes like every year and a half. Uh, in our family, there was one we had some years ago. Um, weight. And not like the E-I-G-H-T, the A-I, right? Because like I always know I need to lose weight. It's fine. Um, it was weight. And I was like, I don't have time for that. Uh, I, don't, I don't have time to learn patience right now. So God, I would like a new word. And um, that did not go well. Uh, I had a strange experience in the pulpit uh, back in January, and I was reading from Romans 12 where it talks about not being conformed to this world but being 
transformed. And it was like this word just leapt off the page and hit me square in, in, in the forehead. It was the wildest experience. So I, in one of our elders' meetings early on in the year, I brought it into the team and I just said, guys, I had this weird experience and I know this is not like exactly a thing that we're known for as a church. And I, I don't think it's something that is necessarily going to be something that we want to like try to replicate every year. But I wonder if for this year that transformed becomes the word of the year for us as a church. And uh, there was like no hesitation uh, for, for, for them as a team. And then I kind of brought the pastoral team in like, okay, guys, this is what's kind of stirring in my heart. This is what I think that the Lord is doing with this. Transformed is the word for the year. So it was a strange experience, but I wonder if this is something for us as a church in the days ahead to really kind of get back to considering. The gospel transforms us. It didn't transform us in the past. It currently is working to transform us. So whether you were saved yesterday or last millennium, the gospel is transforming you, being changed from one degree of glory to another. And so I just want to kind of unpack that a little bit tonight and maybe uh, stir us up as we think about this year ahead and what it might look like for us to be a church where lives are transformed for the glory of God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. This is one of the only two places in Scripture this word is used. Romans 12 is the other one. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, in, in this chapter... In 2 Corinthians, Paul is taking uh, those who are going to be reading this letter back to Moses. He's taking them back to Moses and his encounters with God on Mount Sinai. Each time that Moses met with God, he, he walked down the mountain transformed. There was something that was changed about him. It actually was something that had a physical effect on him where he was glowing after he had enjoyed the presence of God. So Moses actually kind of took to wearing a veil over his face to cover the fact that he had been with the Lord. And more than that, the glory was fading. Actually, a few verses up in, in verse 13, we're actually told that each step away from the mountain that Moses stepped, he, he stepped further and further away from the presence of God. But Paul says that we as believers have unveiled faces. Even in communion, Mike was drawing our attention to that, that Christ, in that moment on the cross, just rips the veil that we might be able to draw near to him. And that's amazing. We as believers can now have unveiled faces to experience the glory of God. The, the glory of God can be understood as this, the weight, the value, the worth, the ability, the priority, the glory of God and his presence. It doesn't decrease for us like it did for Moses. It's what Paul is wanting us to understand here. The language that he's using is very intentional for the reader, and it's very intentional for us today. God is the one who does the transforming. We are all being transformed. All this, all the transforming, it's from the Lord who is the Spirit. So God seeks to transform us. We are his church. We are being transformed into his image. We're going to see this in the weeks ahead in Romans 8. And he wants to do that in a way that we experience his glory in an increasing way over and over and over again. 
He wants me and he wants you to be more like him today, uh, tomorrow than we are today. It's really just that simple. So if, if God does all the transforming, if this is all his work, where do we have opportunities to participate? Well, if he's the one that is responsible to mature, what's our role as individuals? Let's, let's just think about this for a moment. Uh, I love this quote from a book uh, that I've been reading called uh, Trans- Transformational Discipleship. It says this, God transformed Moses, but Moses played a significant role in the transformation. His role was simple but necessary. He walked up the mountain. Now, Hebrews 3 assures us of something. It assures us that we have in Jesus Christ, we have one who is greater than Moses. So if we kind of consider this even further, the transformative difference that's made for the disciple of Jesus is captured for us kind of in in this way in the book of Matthew. That there's this invitation from Jesus that we see in Matthew 11, 28, where he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So there's an invitation from him. And then in the very close of the book of Matthew, Matthew 28, 19, there is this declaration to those who have been with Jesus. Go now and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So we walk in with this invitation that we have this labor. We're heavy laden and we receive the rest of God. We're transformed on going out This declaration to go and make disciples. That's part of what it means to be transformed. And then there is this promise for us. That we can live in the good of every day. It says, and behold. And look. Is what Matthew wants the reader to hear. Consider this deeply. Stare in awe and wonder as something that you're amazed by. That you're overwhelmed by. Behold. Here's the promise. I'm with you always to the end of the age. What good news for us. What good news for us who are with Jesus. It's good news for us today as well. He's he's inviting us. He's commissioning us. He's promising us. He's transforming us. So there are some key things that we see throughout Scripture as it relates to a church that has a heart for lives being transformed that I think are helpful for us to consider tonight. I want to be clear. I'm not laying out like the new vision for Metro Life Church. I think I've I've told a few folks this. My main job over this next year and and transitioning is no sudden movements in front of the church, right? There's not some radical change of direction coming. Nothing like that. Don't juke the church. But I want us to consider some things as it relates to being, uh, being a church where lives are transformed for the glory of God. That a church that is experiencing lives transformed is led and empowered by the Spirit of God. It's led and empowered by the Spirit of God, and there's doctrinal integrity throughout the church. The Word and the ministry of the Word, the indwelling of the Word, the indwelling of the Spirit, the empowering of the Word, the empowering of the Spirit, both exist in the New Testament, and they can both exist for us today. That's something that I have a conviction for, that we as a pastoral team have a conviction for. And I'm grateful for the ways that we've seen both the work of the Spirit And the truth of doctrine existing together in scripture. So that's going to continue to be our pursuit here at Metro Life Church. Solid biblical truths with the experience of the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. I think we've seen this in the book of Romans. We're we're seeing the spirit kind of reintroduced in Romans chapter 8. In the days ahead, we're going to do a a mini-series in September on serving. We're going to then kind of go into the book of Genesis for a few weeks. 
Uh, and then we're going to end the year with Advent. Uh, beginning early in 22, we're going to do a series on the letters to the church in Corinth. So we're actually going to do 1st and 2nd Corinthians together. We're already planning ahead that far in some of our sermon planning. But I think that a spirit-led, doctrinally sound church leads to change lives. Not only in the community around us, but right here in this church. Us. Me. You. Changed for the glory of God. Him continuing to work in us as his people being transformed into the image of Jesus. So we want to see empowered and led by the Spirit as well as sound doctrine. So a church experiencing lives being transformed to the glory of God handles conflict well. Now there's no current church conflict that I'm trying to speak to. That's not the other people that aren't here tonight. Okay? But there is an effective way to handle conflict. And this is an area that we can continue to grow. Not only across the board at the church, but in our relationships, in our friendships, in our marriages, in our relationship with our children. There is an effective way to handle conflict. Uh, I am grateful for resources like Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands and, and Peacemaker and Relational Wisdom 360. Those are some things that we lean on and look to as a church. But a church experiencing lives transformed to the glory of God handles conflict well and even sees it as an opportunity for much fruit to be born. We grow in our understanding of our emotions. We grow in our understanding of our our drives or desires. And we seek to speak the truth in love with the gospel at the center of what we graciously bring to one another. And we want to do this. At the end of every one of those conversations, we want to help one another find our identity first and foremost in Jesus Christ. Not by some job title, not by some season of life. We find our identity First and foremost in Jesus Christ. So I think that a church experiencing lives being transformed to the glory of God handles conflict well. And lastly, church experiencing transformed lives has and continues to develop strong leaders. So even as Eric, a strong leader in our church. Even all right, Jason. You owe Jason twenty dollars, Eric. Even as Eric highlighted Sunday, we're so encouraged by the new leaders that we're continually seeing uh, serving in these community group settings. I mean, there has been consistent groups uh, in small group settings for parenting and marriage for the last 18 months in the church. Like, those are basics. Those are things that for me as a pastor in this church, I want to see just regularly and readily available to families as they're walking through a variety of seasons of life. And I'm so grateful for the leaders that we have to oversee those things. We want to see this continue really across the church in all aspects of leadership. We want to see this uh, continue to grow. And it's something that as a pastoral team, we're going to be actually giving more and more priority to in the years ahead. Ephesians 4 gives us the direction for our attention to equip the saints for the works of ministry. So we're going to learn together how to pray. We're going to learn together how to understand the word. We're going to learn together how to follow Jesus in the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be intentional with our our training. And we're going to be intentional in connecting to other members of the body of Christ. Because we want to have and continue to develop strong leaders. Men and women who can lead in the church. For the glory of God in a variety of ways. So these are just a few ways 
that we seek to experience lives that are transformed by the power of God. This is what we do as a part of loving others. This is who we are when it comes to serving together. This is, this is what we long for when it comes to giving ourselves away sacrificially and, and growing together in community. It sounds like a New Testament church, doesn't it? It's a church I want to be a part of. These are the things that form us spiritually as well. These are the things that transform us for the glory of God. They, they develop our Christian walk as, as various forms of discipleship. And so tonight, like I said earlier, it's not some new direction I'm announcing. I want to walk carefully in the days ahead related to change. But I also want to bring, hopefully by way of reminder for us all tonight, a bit of clarity on things that we're going to be focused on in, in the months and years ahead. What it is that your pastors and deacons in the church and other leaders are going to be primarily giving our time to. You know, this Sunday we're going to welcome around 15 new members and families to this local church. Who would have thought that would happen during COVID? And yet God's purpose remains. Some are already experiencing the benefit of these uh, gifts given to our church to build up and encourage the church. And it's not just the hot bean water. Some of them are group leaders. Uh, Some of them are Shane's favorite new whipping post in Jeremy Price. Like, who would have ever thought that Shane would be the dominant one? (laughs) All right, we're going to be welcoming 14. Uh, No, uh, these families have shared their testimonies of saving faith. They've shared their experiences in public declaration of that faith through baptism. They understand the truth of the gospel. They want to share with us. They want to walk with us in this mission through following Jesus, loving one another through community, being generous with one another, and serving one another and others through local and global mission. That's so exciting. That's so amazing. Who but God could accomplish that? Who would have expected that this would be the type of increase that God would bring to his church through this season of uncertainty? See, God's purpose has always been sure. It's never been uncertain. It's always been secured through his son. It's always been sealed and empowered by his spirit. So in closing tonight, just before Mike comes and prays for us, I just want to reiterate that our vision to bring glory to God with our lives hasn't changed. We still pursue this vision as a church through our mission to love, grow, and share. We serve together. We find community together. We live in a sacrificial and generous way toward one another. It's what we see throughout Scripture. It's what we're going to pursue together in the days ahead. And I want to stand with you and just be amazed at the lives that I believe will be transformed as we seek this and we pursue this, including my own, for the glory of God. Mike, would you pray to close this out this evening? Lord, you're so good to us. Far, far better to us than we deserve. But that's just like you. It's like who you are. So good. And you've added us to this local church, and we're grateful. Grateful for the work that you're doing in this church. Grateful for your presence by your spirit in this local church. 
God, we know you're at work in many churches across the city, the state, and the country. We're, we're grateful, super grateful that we can partner with other churches and see you at work. But God, you planted us here. We're here at Metro Life Church by your divine design for our lives. And we're here at this time, during this season. And that's by your design as well. And it's for our good. Not only for your glory, but it's for our good as individuals. And so God, we praise you for what you're doing here. Lord, this transformation that takes place is the work of the Spirit. It began on the day that you called us to yourself. began on that day that you broke into our world. You drew us to yourself by the Holy Spirit and you saved us. The transformation process started and it will continue all the way through that day that you call us home. In the meantime, you use a variety of things to transform us. And one of the primary ways that you do this work is through the relationships that we have with one another. Relationships that we pray are growing and flourishing in the context of this local church. And that as members of this church, we'd be faithful to do what you've called us to do. And even in the lives of one another, we'd be instruments in your hands so that this transformation process continues on. And one day, Lord Jesus, you'll present to the Father a church without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. And it will be because of what you've done in the lives of us as your people. This is your church, Lord Jesus. It's not Chris's or Mike's or Shane's or Christian. It's your church. It belongs to you. And this is what you said about your church. The gates of hell will not, hell will not prevail against it. You speak ownership. Over this church. We're so grateful. We wouldn't have it any other way. You're the head of the church. And we rejoice in that. So Lord Jesus. Continue to have your way. In each of our lives. As you continue this glorious work. Of transforming us. Into your very image. Because one day. We will. Be presented without spot. Wrinkle or blemish. And you'll receive all the credit. All the honor. It'll all be because of who you are in our lives. So, Lord, we pray that uh, you bless the rest of our time together, the rest of this evening, and really the upcoming days and weeks. We continue to dive into your word and are transformed day by day, week by week, month by month, by all that you do in our lives. For we, committed, we are committed to you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. 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 Have a great rest of your evening. Oh.